Hey everybody, David Nerick here, live with you on the PowerCast every Tuesday, 5 o'clock p.m. with a very special guest. His name is Jay Hirschman, a real estate attorney who is going to talk and teach you about what it is to be involved in the real estate game. Eric and I are very excited to have you here today. Jay, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Remember, if you haven't already, please go to our YouTube channel, subscribe. Go to Team Powerhouse Real Estate, hit subscribe. You can watch us and follow us along every week. You can also catch us on the replay and watch at your leisure. We are on Spotify. Listen to us in the car. We are on Twitch. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Facebook, Instagram. We are everywhere you want us to be. And if we're not, let forgot, us know. We'll get there. We forgot TikTok. And, of course, we have TikTok. Team Powerhouse Real Estate. Please follow us. Subscribe to us. We love being with you. And... Uh, we're very excited to be with you today with Jay Hirschman, uh, a attorney who is very well known in many areas of the state as he works all over the state, him and his company. So let's talk about Jay Hirschman. Sure. Um, so Jay, where are you from? I am from Cheshire, born and raised in Cheshire, Connecticut. I still live there with my family and uh, our main office is in Cheshire. That's fantastic. Very, very nice. And where did you go to school, obviously? Yep. So I... Graduated from Cheshire High School and uh, went on to Bryant University. It was Bryant College back when I went, but I uh, went to Bryant University and studied business communication. Oh, wow. Um, business school, so a full year of accounting and all those math classes that I really didn't want to take, but uh, had to take, which really come in handy in, in what we do now. Uh, and then I went to Quinnipiac University for my law degree. Now, that was not what I was expecting. A lot of times attorneys typically, and tell me if I'm wrong, they typically major in a history or English class, or English major or minor, or if you will, right? Yep. And then you went the business route, which actually I like a lot. Yeah, political science is another popular major. Um, and I found the business route, you know, if anybody out there is considering law school, going the business route for undergrad is very helpful because you learn a lot of things that give you an advantage in law school. Um, mm. And then when you graduate, of course, if you're running a law firm, it helps have that business experience. Well, definitely in the business aspect that like you said, running a business, because in the, the day, when you're an attorney and you have your own practice, you have a business in front of you. And in a business, in any business you're working in or running, there are so many elements involved in it outside of the just the work you do every day. Absolutely. I love yep. it. That's pretty cool stuff. So we got Cheshire covered here. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big Cheshire crowd here today. Jonathan so, too, right? Yeah, John's from Cheshire also. Uh, with that being said, but right. Jay, as an attorney, right? And <laughs> as an attorney, you know, when you're working with buyers and sellers, we work with clients from all over the state. And sometimes even outside the state, we're coming in especially, right? So when it comes to needing an attorney, they want somebody who's well-versed in the element of real estate law. And that can help them from a, uh, whether it's going to be residential or commercial, you have both fields you work in, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I've, for my almost uh, entire career, I've covered the whole state of Connecticut. So, you know, those little blue signs outside of town hall and Cheshire has one, but I've seen just about all, I think I have seen all of 169 uh, because no in Connecticut, we have land records that are town by town, which is different mm -hmm. than most states. Most states are county by county. So I think I've been to every, every town in Connecticut. I haven't gone for a run in every town in Connecticut, which some people, that's a big club that some people do. Um, but I, I've been in every 
town clerk's office. Now, when you say run, you actually mean running like outside? Physically like running, the yeah. There's, of, there's a club wow. that, yeah, they, they... An attorney's club for runners. I think anyone can join that club. Really? Yeah. Um, you know, if you see me running, you should definitely make sure you're in front of me because I'm in... Something's going down. I'm definitely not one who runs. <laughs> right. I uh, might walk quickly, but running, that's definitely not been my... Um, but I appreciate the fact that you run. Yeah, so in, in Connecticut, um, the county customs kind of dictate. So even though the land records are town by town, there are some nuances in each county. Um, so we're very familiar with those. You know, I've been practicing all across the state. We have uh, attorneys in Greenwich and Fairfield, you know, practice in eastern Connecticut, northern Connecticut. So. Which kind of leads me to my next question to you. How long have you been doing real estate law? Sure, good question. So um, I was admitted to practice in 2001. Uh, and for the first year, I worked at a law firm in Cheshire, a small firm, and did a little bit of everything, which was a great experience because I learned what I liked and what I didn't like. And I really liked real estate law. So I went to work for my law partner now, Don Bailey, in 2002 and wow. uh, have been doing real estate law ever since. That's pretty cool. That's a relationship you have to be working with Don Bailey since 2002. It's 20 years, almost 23 years. Yeah. No, tw I'm sorry, 20 years. 20 years. 21 years, yeah. yeah. 20 years. Did you get a special, like, 20-year uh, <laughs> gift from Don? I, you know, I have to remind him. If, he's, <laughs> if you're watching, Don. <laughs> Don, 20 years. Yeah. I, there should be some Make kind it of nice, Don. That's like, a, I, that's like a gold Rolex or I, something, I, I, isn't right? it? There definitely right. should be something on the wall when you walk in 20 years with a company partner. When did you become partners? Oh. So in, in 2004, um, we kind of split off from the firm we were with previously, and uh, myself and another good friend of mine, Matt Hall, formed Bailey Hall and Hirschman. It then morphed to Bailey and Hirschman, and Matt still works with us just very a little nice bit. Guy, Matt Hall. Yeah, great very guy. Nice great guy. guy. Uh, Matt, if you're listening. <clears throat> I know Matt. Yes. yes. He's a great guy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, you, so you're 20 years in real estate law. That's a long time. And in 20 years, I am in the business 17 years, and I can say that it's been a tremendous of things that I've seen in this crazy real estate world, right? And in, in the real estate world, we've seen so many things happen between the market going up and down yep. and up. And, and with that being said, all the different ways you've been practicing real estate law and how the things have kind of kind of changed the courses of you know what you've been doing and how we've been working with it. I'm sure there's a lot to talk about there, which I want to definitely get back to you. Sure. But before we go there, I want to talk about the fact that so uh, alright, so I asked you when you've been practicing real estate laws for ten years now, right? And when I got in the when I bought my house and Eric we almost bought a house at yep. the same time period. I think Eric in 07 you said? Oh seven. And I bought in two thousand eight. And Eric, when you bought your house, you were sitting across the table from a seller? Yep. They sat at the same table. It was uh, it was like an antique dining room table. It was just like it seated like fourteen people. Yep. Yeah. And 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 it was normal to see people when you sat down. The same with me when we sat down, my wife and I, at the table to sit down with the sellers. I remember it was you know for us we became very close with the sellers. It was an emotional purchase. They were crying. We were crying. It was a really like an emotional high for us and an emotional low. I mean, kind of like you know pros and cons because of the where their family had been there. Sure. But since then, I've noticed that it, it's completely different. It's definitely changed in the last 10 years tremendously. Um, yeah, I mean, when I first started, uh, you'd have people bring champagne to the closing and they'd have a yep. toast and um, be chit-chatting, you know, at the table. And 
that has start that started to change pre-pandemic um, and post-pandemic. It's really, or I guess we're not post-pandemic yet, but um, since the start of the pandemic, it's really been very few. Just the buyers and the attorney, and sometimes the agent showing up at the for sure. But even before that, though, even before that, I'm so a, I mean, would you say if I said ten years? Would you? I mean, sometimes yes. So sometimes you would get the seller's attorney. Yes. That would mm -hmm. come and yes. drop off documents and pick up a check. But what's so the pandemic changed that. Even. Right. Um, and I think that that started in the last 10 years because when I first started, we would get all the bank documents. So all those documents that you're going to sit there and sign at closing yes. used to come in an overnight envelope. So you had to get that overnight by 10 a.m. and your documents would be there and you could set the closing for two o'clock and everyone's there. A lot of times you'd have a bank check and you knew the closing was going to happen at two. The ability for banks to over to email those documents, you know, they can do those documents at 159 mm -hmm, and right. send them over. Right. So it's just it's allowed for last minute closings. It's allowed for changes. So everybody's so busy now. Yes. It's hard to say, OK, everyone come to my office at two o'clock, but then we don't have the documents till. 3.30. Right. Nobody wants to sit there for an hour and a half. And it's very frustrating for the agents, the buyers, the sellers. Sure. If the sellers are, but, and I was, you just mentioned about the seller's attorney. Even now at the closings, we don't even see the seller's attorney. I'm, the, I'm sorry. The seller's attorney show up or the seller's agent show up if you're in the buyer side or vice versa. It's completely changed. And I'm going to say yes. pre-pandemic, I know it's a big difference. Um, I think I saw more realtors in the offices, you know, there with the closing table sure. for the sellers. But ever since the pandemic, for sure... It's literally the buyers, their agent, and the attorney, and that's it, right? Eric, would you agree? Yeah. So now my question would be um, with that process that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So they would sign the paperwork. Now, nowadays, the funds are wired over. Correct. So the seller's attorney would come to your office and pick up a check. Correct. Okay. So that check hadn't yet cleared. But Correct. But that, that closing was done. Correct. And those folks could take possession of that house no matter what happens with that check. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was different. Um, you know, wires, for a lot of reasons that we can get into in a little bit, became the standard. Mm -hmm. So everybody wants wire transfers because, number one, that represents immediately good funds. Number two, you can't reverse it. You can't stop payment on it. Once that wire is initiated and it has a Fed reference number, it's right. going. Uh, you know, it's in speaking with, that, with the whole financial part, like, so a buyer, let's start from the back of the buyer's side yep. with – buying a house. You're a buyer buying a house. We as a realtor suggest a great attorney for you because we want to protect you. And one of the most important things that people tend to do, they, they ask a question like, what is the cost for the attorney? And I always tell people, you're hiring an attorney for you to review documents and protect you, right? Anybody we recommend to you is somebody you want to work for you and protect you. And from that point on, you should know that that's probably one of the most important people in your life that you want working for you, number one. Number two, when we set that process up with the buyer with you, what's your next step? How, how do you communicate? How soon do you communicate with the uh, clients? Yeah, so generally I'll reach out to the clients, introduce myself. Some clients prefer, you know, a phone call. Some say, I really don't have time to talk. Please email me. Yep. Um, and nowadays you even get just text me. Right. Um, so we'll make that introduction, send them out an engagement letter and get the process started. So now the buyer goes under contract with us and we send over the documents to the attorney's office or maybe you have it from, uh, let's say, a transaction coordinator like Carla. 
the documents mm -hmm. come over to you, right? And what's the next step that happens for the attorney side if, if cause again, why, the reason I'm asking these questions is a buyer doesn't realize what and when they're gonna hear from you. How often do they hear from the attorney? And realistically, and I'm gonna just step back for a second, as a realtor, we work with our buyer in the beginning where we're going and getting them out and showing houses. Then they go into contract. Then we do the inspection. And then after we do the inspection, that's all done, we kind of, we step back. There's not really much for us to do at that point. And we kind of wait till the closing kind of sort of, if you will, right? And the right. lender's doing their paperwork and doing and they kind of in, so yep. has it what does the, the buyer know that's happening on their side with the attorney yeah so there's a lot going on in the background and, and you know every every transaction is different and some transactions require a lot of attention um, we may be negotiating different addendums to the contract we may be negotiating inspection items changes in closing dates things like that um, but there's a lot going on in the background and the way I, the analogy I like to use is, you know, you can think of the attorney as kind of the quarterback of the process. 100%. So the attorney true. gets everybody moving in the direction for that closing. One of the things you touched on is the negotiation situations. It's very common as a buyer's agent or even a seller's agent, you have the attorney involved because there's things that we can negotiate within the agents to agents, and then there's things that we really want the attorney to kind of handle because it sure. makes it less emotional. Yep. Buyers and sellers can be very emotional. And sometimes, and I say this very sensitively, a seller sometimes is so personal about their own home and they get upset about certain things that may be wrong with something. So when the attorney kind of speaks to that seller, it helps them to understand it because you're their, you're their, their protector, right? Yep. And you're the person that's going to help. Hey, listen, and I'm not really crazy about this whole situation, but really you kind of need to kind of. Yeah. And a lot of times it's, you know, providing all the information and it's the clients, the buyer's decision to make. Right. Here's, here are the options. Yes. You need to make the decision. I, I can't make some of those decisions for you, but I can inform you as to what the situation Help is. Help the buyer and seller understand why and, and how to get that process done and with a less with little emotion or less mo emotion as possible because we want to keep things very smooth and very positive. It's very easy to get stuck, if you will. Very often I'll use the, um, no offense, uh, I'll use the attorney's to do some of the stuff that I probably wouldn't want to do myself. So it's that it's like who who you're going to make the bad guy in this situation, sure. you know? Yep. And it's me, it's the buyer or the seller and the attorney. And if I'm debating something with the other side, you guys um, have this kind of reputation of being no nonsense. You don't use any emotion, it's just business. And you get with the other attorney, and within five minutes, you guys have hashed out whatever it is that the agent and I could not could not work out. It's an yep. extremely good point, Eric. You made there very good yep. point. Uh, that is very true. The you take the emotional level out from the buyer and seller, and the agents who sometimes can't, you, boom, it's prepared and done, and it makes it much easier for the buyers, the sellers, and also the agents. So that's definitely much appreciated. So going back to the specifically with the buyer's role, the attorney. Yep. So let's kind of talk about the process because you're working with the, with the lender a lot in that process too. We There's are, a lot of we're, communication. We're communicating with a lender. So one of the most important things we do is the title search on the property. And that's searching the land records back 40 years typically um, to determine what liens are on the property. And a mortgage is a lien. You know, what mortgages need to be paid off? Are there other liens on the property? What are you buying? You know, are, what is the legal description of that property? 
Um, and is the title clear? Is it marketable? Um, there's, there's different... What's yeah. marketable title mean? Sure. So, um, very simplistically, it means that that title is clear and you're able to sell that based on a certain standard that we have in Connecticut that we refer to called the standards of title. Okay. And there's something called insurable title. Insurable title means that a title insurance company is willing to issue a title insurance policy to protect you from loss in the event that that title becomes a problem. That's different than marketable. Marketable is what we want. It's the best type of title that you can get. Going back to what you just said about the, uh, the loss, what would be loss, for example? Um, yeah, so one example of where title insurance is really important is let's, first of all, you have to remember that our land records are kept on an index basis. So my name's Jay Hirschman. I take a mortgage out on my property. That mortgage goes to the town clerk to get recorded on the land records. Yeah. And the town clerk's going to enter that information on a keyboard. If they misspell my name, mm -hmm. they're not going to find that. You're not going to find that mortgage when you go to do a title search. I've seen that happen where pull a property, field cards, whatever, and the name's just spelled wrong. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you're trying to find the, the, the owner of the property, type in their name, and it's not coming up. So let's say that, you know, that that is missed in the title search. And you buy the house, you close. Well, six weeks after closing, you get a notice that, this mortgage that was missed in the title search is going into foreclosure. Oh, wow. Because the previous owner hasn't paid the bill. Wow. Title insurance protects you from that. So there's, there's lots and lots. I mean, I could do a whole three, four, five hour podcast on all the ways title insurance protects you. But that's, that's one very easy example to get. So that 40 year search though, doesn't it also track or, or ensure that um, the person who's selling you the house has a legal right to sell the house? Yeah, exactly. They're the owner of the house. Right. So sometimes you'll see, you know, you may have a couple and one person is deceased and that's not reflected on the land records. And we'll get notice from the seller's attorney and say, hey, this party's deceased. Well, there's a probate process that mm -hmm. needs to happen then to clear title. So there's lots and lots of things that we're looking at with that title search. Um, in addition to what are you buying? Um, but what do we need to do to make sure that you get marketable title, clear title on the day of closing? So I'm going to just kind of rehash what you're saying. So you're buying a house, your attorney is making sure that the property you're buying doesn't have liens, which means any money owed, that this person you're buying from is really the person who owns the property, and that with the pro person who owns the property, that there's no... Um, surprises on maybe rules and regulations of the property that you need to know about possibly sure yep. and also with exactly who is owning the property and later on someone can't say hey i didn't say i want to sell that property and that person said it's okay but i didn't exactly yep so, um all those things and we're reporting that not only to the client what we find but also to the lender because the lender is really concerned that they're going to get a, a lien that's in first priority so that means that Nobody else has a lien that's ahead of that bank. So once you do title search, then you're in touch with the lender? Correct, yep. We're oh. in touch with the lender. We're in touch with the seller's attorney because there's information on that title search that they need. Um, and we're in touch with the clients. You know, if there's an issue, we, we want to let them know that we have an issue and it might delay the closing. How often do you find that to be a situation? If I was going to say on a hundred 
closings. How and, and and this is a maybe a wild question, so please forgive me. Is it okay to ask you this, I mean, a ballpark? Is it one, two, five? Let's say percentage out of a hundred. Like what percent would you say? So I would say that has a what we call a title issue. So something that needs to be cleared or resolved. Yes. And that resolution may be a very easy fix, or it may be a complicated fix. But I would say, believe it or not, forty to fifty percent. That's so. That just proves how. So again. Your attorney you pick out is very important because you definitely want protection. If you're looking at a very conservative number, is that fair to say? 40% at least of the properties you're buying have some kind of issues on them that you need to have rectified before you can buy them and clear them that we as realtors wouldn't even know about. I mean, one of the issues we deal with all the time is particularly when we go through a refinance boom like we just went through, people yes. refinance their mortgage. Well. The mortgage that was paid off needs to be released on the land records oh. and that gets missed and that yeah. that's a title issue so is we need to go I've back and track down yeah. the release and then getting a hold of the banks and getting a hold of proof exactly. that you had paid off and all that kind of yeah. so it's more phone calls more time more agenda exactly now, there was this interesting thing, uh, what you brought up that there's um there are liens that have specific like um stature Priority. You know, priority, yes. Yep. Like mechanics liens. Yeah, exactly. A tax lien is like superior, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, you know, some liens have the ability to jump ahead of other liens. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're not based on value. Correct. Right. Not based on value, just based on what type of lien they are and what the state statutes allow for. You know, it's interesting you just brought that up and the whole liens because back in before 2008, before the crash, mm -hmm. there were multiple mortgages on a property. Yep. People were taking one, two, and three mortgages on a house, which was crazy. Um, and I'm sure that dealt with more issues later on going to sell those properties. During the foreclosure period when that was happening, there were probably a lot more challenges you were finding that were able to clear title for a purchase. Um, I remember one time I was selling a property, um, you know, went in there to list the property, sell the property, got under contract, and we get right up to the closing timeline. And they find that the person who was selling the property, I guess, had pulled multiple mortgages in the property. They were trying to do something very sneaky, and the whole deal fell apart right at the closing. And my buyers, I'm sorry, I was on the listing side. I had no idea. Um, and there was a lot of, I'll call it not kosher, things that had happened that came up. And the whole thing fell apart. It was, it was yeah. crazy. I'll never forget. I was so upset because here I am as a realtor. Because as a realtor, you go to list a house. You don't know. There's no way for you to know what these things are going on in the house. You go based on your seller's information they tell you. Then you, they get you an attorney or you recommend an attorney. And the attorney, you don't actually find out in the beginning of it when the whole listing happens. Am I right or am I wrong? It kind of happens later on. Right. It happens later on. And, you know, fraud in the real estate world is, is all over the place. Um, it's, it, was, it was the first time I've ever seen like, this kind of thing happen. And the crazy part is there were good people as far as you knew. Like, but there was something mm -hmm. that they kind of went down a path because they were financially in trouble. So they got a second and a third on their property there. And they're just trying to stay above water. They were trying to stay exactly they were trying to stay above water. And they got into somehow someone sold them this idea to help them with money, but they had all these different liens on the property. It was, you know, a very, very tough situation. I felt bad for the both sides of the transaction, but it was very frustrating as the agent. Because you work so hard to sell this property. Sure. I'm sorry, Eric, you were going to say something. No, I was just going to ask Jay. Um, so there are things that we tell a seller or a buyer in advance, like if they're going to be, if, let's say it's a buyer, and we tell them there are certain things that the lender is going to ask them for, 
you know, certain documents, yep. right? To kind of prep those, it helps with the process. Is there something that a buyer or a seller can do in advance to a purchase or a sale or have something ready that helps you at that stage when it hits something and it's like, uh-oh, this came up. Yep, I got that right here. My mom had this paper or whatever, you know? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, we use, so I'll take a sale for example. We sale use a system, it. so a seller, when we're representing okay, seller. the seller, yes. um, we use a system, we send out uh, a secure link to the, our client to gather some information up front about the property. And that's really important information. One of those things is there's something called non-foreign withholding tax. So non-foreign non withholding tax. So okay. if you're not a U.S. citizen, um, if you don't have a, a green card, yep. um, and there are some other exceptions, there's a potential that we're going to have to withhold a percentage of the sales price to remit to the IRS at closing. So if you're the seller and you're a non yeah, if you're a foreign, if you're not a U.S. citizen, okay. if you don't have a green card, gotcha. Um, so, so much, and you don't fall into one of the other exceptions. Gotcha. So that's something that um, a lot of sellers aren't aware of, and agents aren't aware of, that can become an issue at closing because it's the gross sales price mm. that we are taking a percentage of. And oh, interesting. To the IRS. So there's ways to apply ahead of time um, to be exempt from that, but. Okay. So I do, I do have, well, it's more of a suggestion for, for you folks out there who um, at some point you're unfortunately assigned an executor um, of an estate or something like that, right? So um, explain a little bit. So I just came to learn this myself that just because somebody names you in the will, right, sure. as the owner of, let's say, a house, okay, mm -hmm. it doesn't end there because that, 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 Part of the process is the attorney has the will that says that Dave gets the house, but it's not so, Dave can't just sell the house, right? Right, yeah, so um, two things to, to think about there. One is a probate court has to appoint you as the executor. So the will may say it, but you still need to file that will with the court and right. get a certificate being appointed. Correct, that's and the point you, that I was talking about. Yeah. Um, and, and the then, probate process is not so simple and easy. It takes a long time. At times. Yeah, it can. Um, I mean, we're lucky in Connecticut. We have district probate courts. We have a lot of great probate judges that are and, and clerks in the probate court that will help people through. But it can be a, a complex process sometimes. I, I've noticed that when someone has a house that they need to sell and they're going through the probate process, I mean, especially now since the pandemic, there is like a pile that they're behind on because, of course, there was... Sure. I don't know how to explain what was going on over there, but basically that right now, if you had a property going through probate, it's definitely longer now. And Right? Is that fair and reasonable? Yeah. Yep. I think it is. And, and I think the other point Eric was maybe going to make is, so if I own a property in survivorship with someone, and that means upon the death of one of the parties, the survivor can take that property or can, gets that property. Okay. There's still a, a lien against the estate of the deceased person. Mm -hmm. And that lien needs to be cleared and the probate court needs to issue a release of that lien. Mm -hmm. That can take some time to process that paperwork. Right, that's probably what I'm talking about. Yeah, right so now. the part that I wanted to get out there for, you know, if you're ever in that unfortunate situation is mm -hmm. um, you don't just say, okay, I'm gonna sell the house right. without starting that process, yep. you know? The actual living person, can they start the probate process for who's gonna be taking over the property prior to them passing on? No. Is that the right way? With, the word probate is not, is that once when they pass away? Is that what happens? Yes. 
So someone want, and I'm asking a dumb question, please forgive yeah. me, this is live, and I'm not sure how to answer this or say this question, but if someone, let's say, is not doing well and they want to hand their, their house over, let's say, to Eric, how does that work? Power of attorney. Yeah, and th this is another great point that people don't understand always. Power of attorney goes away upon your death. So if I give you power of attorney and then I pass away, that power of attorney is gone, no, no longer valid. Mm -hmm. So you can't use a power of attorney. So now it's got to go through. The, so now it's got to go through the exactly. process. Exactly. Man, that that makes things very. Con I'm, they need to change that. I think in a way that would make things simpler. Because if you're giving someone power of attorney, sure. so I'm not feeling. I'm not well. You know, I don't want to have to go through the probate process. God forbid, I pass on. There should be some kind of way to expedite that, if you will. Yeah, and, and I'll say, you know, I have a lot of tools in my toolbox that I can use to get us to closing and get that file closed and still protect the buyer and protect the seller. Sometimes, you know, I'm out of tools. Right. Um, but so you, the earlier with, we know about things. With your experience, 20 years, and dealing with a lot of the different probate judges, uh, I think we know somebody from Cheshire who's a probate judge. Uh, judge Jalowick is the- Mr. Judge Jalowick, yes. Yeah. Uh, who's, you know, great guy to be in great. contact yep. with over there also. Just right, throw his name out there, right? Sure. Um, let's see, uh, Eric, going back to the seller side of it, I mean, on this process, I mean, kind of, we've kind of talked about the seller side and the buyer side if, as far as what your process is, if you will. Um, but basically, if you're a seller, you're in touch with your attorney once you go into contract, right? The, the attorney gets the contract for the purchase and then make sure the property is in clear title and working with the buyer's attorney to get this through the process. A little easier on the seller side, would you say, than the buyer side? Or not necessarily? Um, you know, it really depends on if we're dealing with a lender, if we're, you know, what issues do, because it's the seller's responsibility. So it's my job as the buyer's attorney to find those issues. Right. And then it's the seller's attorney's job to clear those issues. Okay. So once you find them, they get, so how come a seller's attorney, if I may ask, doesn't look to see if there's a problem so that he clears them before you find them, which would eliminate all these problems to begin with? Yeah. You know, good question. Um, and it's funny, a lot of it is dictated by custom. So in Connecticut, the buyer does the title search and the buyer pays for title insurance. If you're buying a house in Florida, for example, in most of the state, not all, the seller is going to do that part of the, the interesting. transaction. So, Very interesting. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's different. I definitely know that we have in different counties and different towns and areas. I know there's different policies and procedures with attorneys also, I think, in, in the state are, of Connecticut, yeah. which can also be very confusing. If you're dealing with a, a Fairfield County attorney sure. or a Litchfield attorney or a Harford County, it may be different than what the process is that they're used to, and you kind of have to, guess, you know, work that out with them. Uh, absolutely. My good friend, <clears throat> Attorney Bud Harvey, has been trying for a long time to get one standard contract in Connecticut, um, but we're not there yet. You know, it would make, I don't know why they wouldn't want to, I guess it's whose who's, who's way is the right way that they want to stick with. And that's probably the head of the problem, I'm guessing. Sure. Well, I had a question. One of them was, uh, what's the most challenging part of a purchase or sale? But you kind of went over what mm -hmm. some of those things are. Um, um, but uh, in my experience, oftentimes, um, one of the most challenging parts is the other attorney. I, I'm sure that there are times where you come up against an attorney who's just either you can't reach them or they're you know, too old and they don't have technology and they're not paying attention and they shouldn't be in the yeah. business anymore. I'm just saying it to be honest. And that's we deal with lots of problems like that because, hey, I've dealt with attorneys before. My client goes out and picks an attorney and I've never heard of them before. They've been out of the business, technically speaking, mentally, 
for about 20 years, but that's a friend of the family, they decide they want to use them, and then chaos breaks out because no one can hold the attorney, they don't have the technology to do all the closing process, then the, the buyer's attorney, or the, the other side tends to do more of the work because the other person can, am I talking too much? Yes. This has happened before, this is why I'm talking about it. You know, no, it I, becomes a major challenge. Sure, part of our job is to overcome those challenges. You know, yes. I mean, we have a, a great staff in our office. You yeah. do have a great staff in your office, I will definitely. Your, your paralegals are fantastic. Um, I will tell you, the girl Courtney is amazing. Courtney, uh, big shout out to Courtney. Yep. And Rini's a great girl up front. Uh, you have yeah. a lot of great people. You've got a lot of great attorneys that work for you. Uh, you have Lauren and Gary, uh, and they're fantastic. Yep. Attorney, then, we have attorney Scott, Lauren Scott, Lauren and Gary Sc yep. Kravitz. Uh, I'm sorry, attorney I Attorney Tamara names. Peterson in Fairfield, attorney Jill Ingraham in Greenwich. Um, that's yeah, and fantastic. of course my my law partner Don Bailey. Um, Don Bailey, I you know he seems like he's like Oz, the man behind the curtain. <laughs> for me. I, you know I don't see him as often, but I know he's definitely taking care of business over there. Yeah, absolutely. So and and but our job is to you know use all of our collective experience. So sometimes you know doing this, I'm sure you have the same thing. You see something that you haven't seen before. Uh, unfortunately, way too often. It's yeah. like. I can't, I've never seen that before. It's kind of crazy. Right. I just want to touch on uh, one more thing before sure. we end the show. Well, I have a question too. Uh, so. Go ahead, Eric, you go first. Okay, so um, explain kind of rudimentary what a short sale is and do you guys do oh, wow. short sales? Yeah, so a short sale is when a seller is selling a house for less than what they owe on that house. So let's say I take a mortgage out for 200,000 and the next day I decide I want to sell that house and the balance is still 200,000. I haven't made a payment yet. But the house is only worth the market will only bear 150,000. So that's when the lender is going to agree to take a discount on what they're owed mm -hmm. in exchange for allowing me to sell the house and getting them out of the transaction. That's a very, very, very simplified answer. Very simplified. Because yeah, but it's, it's not an easy process. <laughs> it's the, I don't know what to call it a short sale. It should be really called the longest sale you'll ever have in your entire life because of the process that a bank does not want That's to take less point. money. And yep. the seller typically hasn't made payments for six months to two years, which is insane. Right, so now how much money is we owed on that mortgage? Sure. Yeah. Um, but I've I've seen uh, sellers that are being paid by the bank to stay and maintain the house so that, it, that they don't leave it and leave it in a, in a state of disrepair or anything yep. like that. So, so your office does short sales? So we try not do, to. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, they were very popular after the market crisis in two thousand eight, and mm -hmm. we did do them at that time. They really take a tremendous amount of time. So I've found it's it's best to have perhaps there's a couple of short sale negotiators out there, which is a whole separate license through the state of Connecticut right. that works with your agent. Um, and there are some attorneys that, that really focus on that. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. If you're not a short sale attorney, or I'm sorry, if you need to do a short sale, get a short sale attorney because it's really convoluted and it, it is something that involves a tremendous amount of uh, it's like a nest with all different kind of strings and sure. wax and pieces. And one path can lead you down another path. Eggs, and but having but having represented buyers on short sales, oh yeah, you know what some of the pitfalls are that you're going to be coming across. And that's oh, different because you represent the buyer on a short sale. 
Yeah, and there's, right. there's, there are pitfalls there, too, that you need to be aware of. You know, we need to see that short sale approval letter and read it very carefully to make sure all the conditions on that have been satisfied yeah. so that that mortgage or that lien gets released at the end right. of the day. A lot more protection involved, a lot more kind of diving in. Uh, one thing I want to end on is the condos, because I know condos, when you're a buyer buying a condo, uh, it's a lot more involved in what they have, the condo documents. So as a buyer, you get these rules and regulations, and I'm just going to take one piece of it, and there's more of the pieces to it, of mm -hmm. course. But the, 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 uh, the condo association has the rules and regulations, and you need to make sure that you get it over to your attorney right away. And as agents, we send that over to the attorney, because you as a buyer who may want to look through it may not really understand what the condo rules and regulations are, and that's why I have an attorney, which also is looking at the budget and all the different kind of fiscal items in there as well. And, and the resale certificate. Yeah, yep, exactly. The resale certificate is really a very important document to review because that's got on there what the common charges are. Are there any special assessments outstanding? Um, is there any restraint on your ability to sell that property in the future? Uh, but when you're buying a condo, you really need to read, and I know sometimes it can be, you know, it can put you to sleep, but yeah. you really need it's to pay language. attention to it. <laughs> because there may be restrictions on the number of pets you can have. Right. It may say no cats, it may say no dogs, it may say you can't park a commercial vehicle there. Well, you know, you may not know, Dave is the agent, and, and I may not know as the attorney that you have a take home commercial vehicle. Right. And that could be a problem for you. So it's really important, and you have a, a set time period to review those documents. Five days. And, and no barbecue yeah. grills. So five times. That's a common yeah. one. Yeah. 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 So I guess that's an insurance. It's a, I guess it's an insurance liability that they don't want a fire started from uh, from that. I would think insurance or fire uh, code. Yep. Yeah, but most importantly, you want to have a good attorney reviewing these kind of documents. You look at them over yourself as well, but realistically, in my opinion, have the attorney review them and then go back over them with you, because those are the bullet points that you're going to need to make sure that those clients know and understand. Sure. And can I mention one other thing? A hundred percent. So. The condo questionnaire is something that your lender is going to send to the condo association, whether it's self-managed or a management company, that they need completed and returned. And after the Champlain Tower collapse in Surfside, Florida, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac made some changes to that questionnaire hmm. that have some very specific questions about maintenance and structural deficiencies. Actually, remember Michael talking about that. Yes, you're right. There's definitely some things that they came up with that... Uh, work foundation, yada, 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 right? Exactly. So, so it's in Surfside, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So if, if, um, you're using a, a lender and you're getting a mortgage, you need to make sure you ask that question. Has the condo questionnaire been completed and returned and have you approved it as the lender? And I think one of the things are, are 10% of the reserves being, are 10% of the money being used for reserves, I think has to do with that because I want to make sure there's financially or fiscally able to yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and some, some management companies have pushed back on completing that because they may not have had a structural engineer out looking at the property. They may have had no reason to. Right. So it's hard to say that there are no structural issues when That's you get point. an inspection. So that, I've seen that become an issue as of late. So you need to ask that question. Eric, any more questions for our friend over here, Jay? No, I think that was it. It was... I'm going to tell you something. I, we could probably go on and on over here on these questions. Well, you forgot to ask him who his mentor was. Yes, by the way. It's a good, so who was your mentor? 
uh, to become a real estate attorney? Sure. So in, both of my parents are attorneys. Uh, <clears throat> so let's see, two, two of my brothers, my wow. sister. Wow. Um, so, are you the oldest, the youngest? Where do you fall in the, in the group? Yeah, so my sister's the oldest, but I went to law school first. Okay. Um, and she went back and then so I... So you've got seniority. I have seniority. She doesn't practice law, um, but I have two brothers that do practice law that oh, are no younger. Um, and where do they practice law? They're in Brantford. Okay. Yep. They do a little bit different type okay. of law, but um, yeah. So, but I'd have to say, you know, my partner Don really got me interested in real estate law and um, taught nice me everything Don. I know. So that's awesome. That's an that's a big compliment, Don. Two things. One. You got him where he is today, and the fact that he's partners with you and looks up to you as much as he does, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's a compliment to have. Jay, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us. We have a very special moment in this podcast you guys look forward to every week. It is a Tumblr giveaway. So let's see who's going to be the lucky winner this week, Jonathan. And the winner is... We can't... VF... VSF, this person from TikTok. We have a TikTok winner. Thank you so much for winning and uh, being a part of our TikTok family and entering. Please reach out to us so we can get this Tumblr to you. We look forward to seeing you and speaking with you every week, guys. Thank you so much, Jay, again, for joining the show today. Thank you for having me. We had an awesome time, learned a lot. We have to bring you back again because there's probably way more things we can talk about. First guest that had notes. Yeah, 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 right? yeah. yeah, seriously, he had notes for us. Right? Well, they teach you in law school. Be prepared. So. Be prepared. Be prepared. Yep. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us every week. We look forward to seeing you next week. Have an amazing day, and happy Memorial Day weekend. Is that this weekend? That is this weekend. Wow. Have drinks, eat some food, be safe. But don't drink and drive. And have some fun. Be safe. Mm-hmm.